You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show for you. We're going to go over your picks for this weekend in the NFL. We're going to talk about my win totals for the year, a little preview of the College Football National Championship on Monday. I've got a story about a, a former attendant to my Reality Steve fan appreciation party that involves fantasy football. You're going, football, you're going to want to stick around for that. Um, we're going to talk about how messed up the college bowl season is and maybe talk a little Michael Penix Jr. We'll get to all that momentarily. So let's start off in the NFL, your plays for this weekend. I am 52, 50, and 6 this year. Not great, but at least we're over 500. We didn't get killed this year, and that's a good thing. Best bet of the week. Remember, this is week 18 and it's the one week of the year where there are teams that are actively trying to lose and could be playing somebody actively trying to win. So it's the only week of the year where there is stuff laid out for you where you know, wow, it's almost like preseason football in some of these games. Now, it's not that easy to pick the games because I can give you so many examples. I talked about it last week, last year, last game of the season, of the regular season. The Lions had nothing to play for. Green Bay had everything to play for. They beat the Lions at home, and they're in the playoffs. And the Lions go in there and spank them. Aaron Rodgers' last game in Green Bay. So just because a team has nothing to play for doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to win or cover a game. What you really have to do is look at, well, who's actually playing? Because there are teams that are sitting basically everybody. The Niners and the Ravens are playing nobody. That's why the Steelers are three-point favorites on the road against a team that's 13-3. and three. <laughs> But they're not going to be one of my plays. I just cannot bet the Steelers as a road favorite. I'm sorry. I don't care who Baltimore is playing in terms of their players. So we're going to go with this. Best bet of the week, I'm going to go with the Bengals minus seven. The Bengals can finish nine and eight. They're out of the playoffs. They can't make the playoffs, but I think they want to end the season on a high note. And they're playing the Cleveland Browns, who have decided to play nobody. Cleveland is locked into the five seed in the AFC playoffs. They are either going to be at Jacksonville, at Houston, or at Indianapolis in the first round of the playoffs. That's probably going to be the first game on Saturday. That's going to be the Peacock exclusive game. Cleveland can't move up. Cleveland can't move down. They're not playing anybody. I don't know why I would bet even plus seven. Uh, I think Cincinnati. Here's something else you got to keep in mind about Cincinnati. They're 0-5 in the division this year. Do you think they really want to end the season 0-6? and lose every division game this year. They get the Browns at home. They can finish the season over 500. You can finish 9 and 8. And Browns are playing nobody. I got to take I got to take Cincinnati in this one. So give me the Bengals minus the 7. Picks this year. 31, 21 and 4. Pretty good. We're going to go with the Wing and Patriots minus 2 at home against the Jets. It's a game that means absolutely nothing to either team. However, I don't know if you know this. The Patriots have beaten the Jets 14 times in a row. And the Jets, it's not like they have some giant incentive to win this game other than to end the streak, but you don't think New England wants to keep the streak going? They're at home. They're only laying two points. Give me New England minus two at home against the Jets to make it 15 in a row against the Flyboys. We've talked about this game. I told you what happened last year to Green Bay at home. I'm basically betting on the fact that they're not going to choke two years in a row at home on a win-and-in game. 
So give me the Packers minus home at home minus three against the Bears. I just I just don't think it's going to happen two times in a row. Could it? Sure, it could. Chicago's playing great. They've won four of five. They're seven and nine on the year. They already have the number one pick. They'd like nothing better, nothing better than to eliminate their crosstown rivals or biggest rival in the NFC North. They'd like nothing better than eliminate them from the playoffs. So, obviously, Green Bay has way more to play for, but I expect this to be a close game. But I can see this being Green Bay by seven. Green Bay by between four and seven. They're laying three at home. It's a small number. Give me Green Bay minus the three. And I'm going to take the Giants plus five and a half at home against the Eagles because the Eagles have just been playing terrible. They've lost four or five after starting 10 and one. There's a lot of rumblings, a lot of dissension among the team. I don't know what happened to this team because when they got to 10 and one, they had just beaten the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Bills. <laughs> you realize that, right? That put them at 10 and one after those three wins. And then since then, I, I can't, ex- it's almost inexplainable. Now, when they were 10 and one, they had a lot of one score games that they won. After that 10 and one start, then they get blown out by Dallas, they get blown out by San Francisco, they lose to Seattle, they come home and barely beat the Giants. Remember, they played the Giants two weeks ago and won by eight at home. And Giants had a throw into the end zone to possibly tie it up. Last week, they had a 21-6 lead at home against the Cardinals and lost. Now they're going on the road, minus five and a half to the Giants. Giants aren't sitting anybody. Tyrod Taylor is such a better quarterback than Tommy DeVito. Saquon Barkley probably wants to go out with a bang. I'll take the five and a half points at home. That's too much for a Philadelphia Eagles team that just can't beat anybody and hasn't looked good for six straight weeks. Or is it five? Yeah, four or five they've lost. So five straight weeks they haven't looked good. And now they're five and a half point favorites on the road. And look, if Dallas, they're going to be scoreboard watching because Dallas and Philly both play at the same time. If Dallas is blowing out Washington, Philly might just rest their starters in the third and fourth quarter. You know, because if Dallas wins, Philly's relegated to the five seed. They can't do any worse. So they're probably just going to sit people if they see that there's a blowout going on in Washington, which there very well could be because the Cowboys, if they can't beat the commanders as a two touchdown favorite with the number two seed in the NFC East on the line. Oh, my gosh. Dallas Fort Worth might go up in flames (laughs) because. This town will riot if they lose to the Washington Commanders. Yes, the Cowboys have struggled on the road all year long. They only average 20 points a game on the road where they average, well, they were averaging 40 before the uh, 20-point game against Detroit last week. But um, I I just, that's a lot of lumber to lay when you only average 20 points on the road and they're minus 13 at Washington. But I don't like the game betting-wise because, Washington's terrible. I it's they're just a terrible, terrible team that's already quit on their coach. Ron Rivera is going to be fired first thing Monday morning or resign, whatever they want to say, however they want to mask it. So forget that. The underdog play, which I've been really good at, 10-7, eight outright wins. I'm going to take the Rams plus the four and just know the Rams basically 
are already in the well, they're already in the playoffs. If they win, they have the sixth seed. If they lose and Green Bay wins, Rams drop to the seventh seed and they will go play Dallas, assuming Dallas beats Washington, which they probably will. They'll go to the seventh seed and play. But the Rams have decided they're not playing anybody. Matt Stafford's not playing. Kyron Williams isn't playing. Uh, Cooper Cup isn't playing. Aaron Donald isn't playing. But the Niners aren't playing anybody either. They're not playing any of their good players. So it's a game of backups, and in a game of backups, I'll take the points. Um, the Rams, Sean McVay loses every regular season game to the Niners. That's the other reason. He now has a chance to beat the Niners, even though he's playing his backup. So are the Niners. I'll just take the points here. Give me the Rams plus four as the underdog play of the week. And my three-team 10-point teaser, I've been terrible on these. We're eliminating them next year. So this will be the last one year from me. Three-team 10-point teaser, 7-12 and 12 on the year. Just yuck all the way around. Give me New England. Tease them up to from minus 2 to plus 8. We'll go up 10 points on the Giants, plus 15.5, and, and tease the Cowboys down to 3. So three-team 10-point teaser, New England plus 8, Giants plus 15.5, and, and the Dallas Cowboys minus 3. So my win totals for the year. I gave these out before the first weekend in NFL season. I gave out four win totals in the NFL. Right now, I'm 2-1 and one with a good shot to go 3-1. and one. I gave you the Steelers over 8.5. They went over last week with that win over the Seahawks. They are 9-7 and seven right now. I gave you the Saints over 9.5. Loser. If they win on Sunday, they'll have gotten nine wins. I'm going to lose that Saints bet, assuming they win at home against Atlanta, which they could lose. But let's just say they win at home against Atlanta and they finish on nine wins, the amount of bad losses they had this year, and all I needed was one of those to turn into a win. Ugh, ugly. Panthers under 7.5, easily the the biggest bet of the year, um, the easiest bet of the year for me. Um, that game, that was never in doubt when they started, whatever, 1-8, and 1-9, whatever it was. Uh, they've won two games, and so they're clearly not winning eight games. The one that's still available and the one that uh, is going to be graded this weekend is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have them over 9.5. They're sitting there at 9-7. and seven. If they win in Tennessee, they are the AFC South champions, and they are the four seed. So they have everything to play for. Tennessee has nothing to play for, but it just the game just scares me. As much as I need Jacksonville to win, it's not going to be an easy win because another situational play. What do we always say? You bet Mike Vrabel at home is an underdog. And he's an underdog here. He can ruin somebody's season. This game scares me half to death. Jacksonville should win. But they might have C.J. Beathard at quarterback. We still don't know if Trevor Lawrence, as of this recording, he has not been cleared to play. I if he doesn't play, I guarantee I, I don't say guarantee. That's ridiculous to say. But if C.J. Beathard's the quarterback, I think Tennessee's going to end up winning the game outright. I just I, I can see this happening and ruining my fucking, you know, season win total. But obviously, I hope Jacksonville wins. I want them to win, but I'm not going to put it in as one of my plays. And let's cheer them on. And then the only other play I had was the NFC South champion being the New Orleans Saints. There's still a chance. If Carolina can upset Tampa Bay at home and New Orleans beats Atlanta, New Orleans is the NFC South champ, and I can win that bet. But those were the five that I put in, four totals and one division winner. So I'm 2-1. and one. I could be 4-1. and one. I could be 3-2. and two. 
I could be two and three if those if the Saints don't win the South and Jacksonville loses to Tennessee. So still up in the air, but um, crossing my fingers for this weekend. Do you realize that the college football national championship game on Monday is between two teams that are playing each other next year in the Big Ten? Michigan Washington play on October fifth next year. So we're going to get them twice in a span of 10 months. Isn't that interesting? And wouldn't it be fitting? I mean, to me, it would be, being a West Coast guy. Wouldn't it be fitting in the year that the Pac-12 implodes, that's the year that they win the national championship? And it's the first time a Pac-12 school has won the college football playoff in the 10 years of its existence. Look, I'm cheering for Washington. I want Washington to win. I hope they win. But... Nothing is guaranteed, obviously. Michigan's got a better defense. Washington just seems to find a way to win every single week. That's 10 straight weeks. We've told you this stat. 10 straight weeks, 10 straight wins for the Washington Huskies that were 10 points or less. You just don't see that a lot in college football. It doesn't happen very often. So that's where they're at. And whether or not, I mean, look, I don't think they'll care. If they beat Michigan by one point, I don't think they'll care if they meet Michigan by 20. They just want to win the game. I don't think they care if they end their season with 11 straight wins by 10 points or less. It's going to be a really good game because it's two teams that are diametrically uh, opposed. They are about as opposite as you can get. You got one team that wants to throw it around the yard in the Washington Huskies who are have one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football who's slowly rising up the draft boards, listening to more and more people. It's looking like Michael Penix is going to be a first-round pick now. And then you've got the Michigan Wolverines who want to ground and pound you, you know, and play, you know, not small ball, but they want to control the clock, control the ground game, play stout defense, and win games 24-20. to You know, this is what Michigan does. So... They, they were the better team against Alabama, even though it took a three-minute drive at the end of the game for them to tie it up and win it in overtime. But if you watch that game, they were the better team throughout the game. It was amazing that they were losing. Like I, I was watching that game. I'm like, Alabama can't do anything offensively. How is Michigan losing this game? So I, I, it's just a coin toss. I want Washington to win, but honestly, I have no idea. I could see it being a blowout, too, either way. If, if you're telling me now you're in the future and you say Michigan wins this game by f- three touchdowns, I wouldn't say I'd be shocked. And if you told me Washington won the game by three touchdowns, I wouldn't be shocked because Washington is that explosive offensively and Michigan has never seen anything like the Washington pass offense in the Big Ten this year. But Washington has also not seen a defense as good as Michigan's. That's why it's just like I don't know what to do with this game. I really don't. But I'm going to be looking forward to it, that's for sure. Speaking of Michael Penix Jr., I saw this tweet. This was amazing. And this is just by a stat guy over at ESPN who tweeted this out. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. So he wrote this. Michael Penix Jr. has thrown 21 passes to Roma Dunze, the stud wide receiver for the Huskies, who's also probably going in the first round. Michael Penix Jr. has thrown 21 passes to Roma Dunze when Washington in-game win probability was under 50%. So meaning the game was close and Washington wasn't even guaranteed to win. In those 21 passes he threw to Roma Dunze, 
when their win probability was under 50%, he completed 19 of those 21 passes to him for 333 yards. <laughs> that goes to show that under pressure, Michael Penix is a stud. That game he had against Texas was unreal. I, I, I can't imagine he can duplicate that against Michigan, but he doesn't need to. But he also can't throw for like 215 yards. Washington isn't beating Michigan unless Michael Penix plays. He doesn't have to play like he did against Texas because that might have been one of the best college football playoff performances we've ever seen. But he's got to be really good because I think their running game is going to hurt against Michigan. I don't think they can run the ball against Michigan. Fascinating, fascinating matchup. I, re I really can't wait for this. A lot of talk in the bowl season, you know, obviously only one bowl left, about how bad it's been with all these kids opting out, all these kids entering the transfer portal. And look, the NCAA has completely ruined the college bowl season. And for those that don't know, the calendar of this is so ridiculous. We talked a few days ago about the fact that what other sport makes you wait a month to start your playoffs? Well, college football does. Next year, it'll be moved up to three weeks from the end of the regular season to the start of the college football playoff, which is 12 teams next year. It's still three weeks. It's just ridiculous. Baseball starts the next day. The NBA starts two or three days after the regular season ends. Hockey, same thing. It's just like college football, Just it's so ridiculous. It's utterly stupid, and nobody has an answer as to why that's the case. Anyway. The 12-team playoff next year obviously will give us more uh, better games because this year anything outside of the two semifinal games didn't matter to a lot of these kids. Like, well, if we're not playing for anything worth a damn, I'm going to sit out. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, don't want to get hurt for, you know, got to get ready for the NFL draft or I'm going to go in the transfer portal. That's the other thing that's driving coaches nuts. And every coach has said it, for those that are unaware, there is a window for when you can enter the transfer portal, and that's right when the regular season ends, and it's a two-week window. The other window is 15 days in April right after the spring games. So there's a portal window, and that's where signing day is, one of the signing days for college football, and coaches have to get ready for bowl season. Do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? So the regular season ends in college football, and a college coach who, let's just say, you know, take any of the four coaches in the semifinals, Nick Saban, Kalen DeBoer, Jim Harbaugh, or Steve Sarkeesian, in this last month, they, they're preparing to play for a, a semifinal game, which could lead them to the national championship. In that month, not only do they have to practice with their team, they have to go on the road and recruit and try and get guys to sign on signing day. They have to deal with players within their own organization and their own program, possibly entering the transfer portal. They have to recruit kids in the transfer portal to get them to come to their school. It's, do you realize how stupid that sounds? Unless the NCAA fixes, like, that's the biggest thing. You listen to anybody, they all say the same thing. The biggest thing the NCAA needs to fix is their calendar. You can't have the transfer portal window for two weeks right after the regular season ends. You can't do it anymore. It's ridiculous. I don't know if it's going to change. It might, but it might not. But that's the biggest thing that needs to happen. And let's not have signing day in December. Let's wait till after the season ends and then do a two-week. You know, it just, what's the point? 
That's why so many kids were leaving and so many kids were opting out and going into the transfer portal, and that's why we got so many shitty bowl games. These teams are fielding players that didn't even play during the regular season. The bowl season has, be, has been deemed meaningless now because the NCAA calendar sucks. The only games that matter or mean anything to anybody, unless you're Georgia, Georgia played everybody, you know? They didn't have guys that opted out when they could have. They have plenty of guys going pro. Most of their players decided to play. That's the culture of Georgia. They're about the only team that did that. So they need to change their calendar, but, man, the bowl season, the only games that matter are the playoff games now. So unless this changes, we're going to see the same thing next year outside of the you know, 5-12 matchup. 6-11, 7-10, 8-9. We're going to get that next year and then everyone else. So the 12 teams that make the college bowl season, they might have some guys enter the transfer portal, but it's not going to be anybody that's starting in the playoff game. I'm pretty sure of that. I, I, I don't see that happening. They probably have some backups go to the portal for sure. But can we change the portal date and signing day until after the college football season is over? It just makes no sense. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. Daily Roundup is up if you want to check that out. Um, We are last week of NFL season. Let's pray for a Jags win and a Tampa Bay loss and a New Orleans win so we can end 4-1 on our futures bets in the NFL this year. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I really appreciate it. I will talk to you Monday. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!